Hello, welcome to episode three of High Floor Football. I'm Jay Arsht. I am missing Sam Wagman today, but we are filling in for him. We've got Ben uh, at the Extra Point FF. Ben, friend of the show. I feel weird calling you even guest friend of the show. So <laughs> what's up, dude? Dude, what's going on, man? It's, uh, yeah, it is It is funny. It's It just, this doesn't feel weird, I guess. Like, it's just you and I podcasts, you know, every week for for months last year. So it's uh so it's fun to be back together talking the NFL draft this offseason. Absolutely. And we will miss Sam, but we are happy it's draft week. So we're gonna yeah. continue to celebrate it. We're two days away. Uh I guess really only yeah, I guess a day because it starts starts later on Thursday. But uh let's just jump right in. We are I'm already sharing the screen. Uh Ben and I have been talking back and forth about you know the NFL draft and everything around it all offseason. And, uh, you know, everybody's counting down the days. All of us football fans are. So we're finally here. I have been revising my mock drafts uh, for months now, switching things back and forth, you know, trying to listen to different things. You know, all of us are trying to garner as much information as we can to make the best educated guesses we can. Uh, I love doing the mock drafts. So Ben had to deal with a lot of me sending him copies of it (laughs) and sending him another one and saying it'll be ready, you know, by the time we go on. But uh, so... Let's truth, just get started. Truth be told, I don't know what version we're, we're going off of tonight. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. There were a couple different ones. Uh, a lot of things have been changing the past couple days. So I'll just start it off. We're going to go in like groups of five. I'll just kind of read off some of the picks. Uh, we'll talk about them and give some analysis, some reasoning why we, why we made the picks or why I made the picks uh, and Ben's thoughts on them. So starting off at one, uh, we've got Trayvon Walker, the edge from Georgia. At two, I've got Aiden Hutchinson. The edge from Michigan going to the Detroit Lions at three. The Houston Texans drafting Iki Aquanu, the tackle from NC State. And then at four, the New York Jets, Kayvon Thibodeau. And at five, the New York Giants selecting Evan Neal, the tackle from Alabama. So that's my top five. And uh, I'll give an explanation for one before we go into the rest. So uh, I've been flipping back and forth. I do not like to give Trayvon Walker first overall I do not think that it should be the pick uh but I can't really remember in recent history and maybe you can you know uh jog my memory of it like I guess maybe Baker Mayfield but I can't really remember when the betting favorite a day or so out of the draft uh there was an upset you know and Trayvon Walker is the betting favorite right now right ahead of Aiden Hutchinson and so I'm just following what I'm hearing and I feel like Trayvon Walker is going to be the first pick right now yeah, I mean, it's uh, we were talking about it earlier today, and and I think we're all kind of in this point right now where I, I mean, the you know those that are tuned into the teams right now in the national media and and even some of what seems like the agents of some of these guys, it's just like they're still saying that they don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's all still at this point the speculation about Trent Balky and and his um, you know love affair, I guess, for guys just like the Tracy guys, like Trayvon Walker. It's uh, you know, I think that that's kind of leading the charge here. Um, as a Lions fan, uh, I will definitely say that I hope Jacksonville takes Trayvon Walker. Um, I would, I mean, I would love to have him on the Lions. I'll be honest there, but um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson should be the clear uh, fantasy, as us fantasy guys would say, one hundred and one of this draft. <laughs> but um, I'll be very much happy if he falls to uh, to the Lions at two. Um, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, you know, this, uh, this top five and, and potentially the top 10 is going to be very, uh, unexciting, you know, (laughs) on the, on the surface, I guess. But I mean, you start to really kind of boil it down and, 
Um, you know, one, I'd be from a fantasy standpoint, I'd love to see Jacksonville take an offensive tackle, you know, keep keep bolstering up things in front of, uh, you know, we keep saying in front of um, Lawrence, but um, I mean, realistically in front of ETN too, and even James Robinson. So it'd be nice to see Jacksonville continue to invest in the O-line there. Um, and I'd love Evan Neal in New York if I have any Saquon shares. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like like I said, Trayvon Walker is not the not the pick that I want at one, but it's uh, what I, what I think is likely. And Aiden Hutchinson, like you said, seems like a slam dunk at two. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if he's available, uh, Icky, I could see even go one. I mean, I think it's going to be a career Trayvon Walker from everything that we're hearing. You know, our boy Daniel Jeremiah, who I know we both listen to, who's plugged yep. in. You know, that's kind of what he was narrowing it down to. Uh, and then Kayvon Thibodeau going four to the Jets. Uh, I know Bo's a Bo in the chat, Kayvon Thibodeau fan. Uh, so I, I, I liked I, giving him there. I mean, I. Go ahead. I was going to say, as a team drafting in the top five, um, you know, obviously I've never met Kayvon Thibodeau personally, but, you know, just a lot of the things you see, it's just, you know, it, he's an interesting case, I feel like, and just some of the personality things that you see even pop just on the national spotlight. It's, uh, I think it's an interesting investment for some of these teams, you know, as you're trying to, you know, build a culture or whatever it is, it's, um, you know, you already see him talking about second contracts, you know, it's, it's just a really interesting uh, perspective to have. And I mean, I don't fault the guy, you know, he's, he should be cocky in every aspect of it, but uh, I just, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to see, you know, you, yeah. you, you invest that highly in a guy. Well, some people are talking about him falling out of the top five, out of the top 10. Uh, I held it right at four. So, you know, he's still, he's not going as high as the one, two that he was maybe a couple months ago, but uh, still in the top five. And then moving on to the next five of the draft. So I have Carolina Panthers at six going Charles Cross. And I didn't mention it beforehand. Uh, I'm doing this one without doing any trades. So uh, I think there are going to be a lot of trades in this draft, but I always kind of like to do like a final one without any and just kind of see how it, how it turns out. It gets a little messy when you start moving them all around. So I've got Carolina Panthers at six going Charles Cross. Uh, the New York Giants at seven going Amog Sauce Gardner. Atlanta Falcons at eight taking Malik Willis. So there's my first offensive player off the board. And then at nine, Seattle Seahawks taking Derek Stingley Jr. And number 10, the New York Jets taking Jameson Williams, the first wide receiver off the board. So a little bit of thought here. I mean, I, I think that there's a chance that Atlanta even moves up. Potentially it takes Malik Willis. I had had for a couple weeks now Jamison Williams going eight to Atlanta. And part of the thinking of that was, you know, who knows if Jamison's going to be back for week one of the season or when he's going to get back, but he will be back. And for a, for a while, you know, you've heard a lot of people in the know saying that if Jamison didn't get hurt, he would have been the first wide receiver off the board. I think Atlanta has kind of that long-term window where they don't, they need so many things on this roster right now that yep. if Jamison really is the wide receiver one, you take him, but Kind of going from that same school of thought, they also need a quarterback. I mean, Marcus Mariota is not going to be the long-term answer. And I think you have the opportunity, which everyone's been talking about with Malik, is, you know, he might need a little bit of time to develop, might need a little bit of the Trey Lance treatment. So Atlanta gives him that sort of situation where you're also building a sweet foundation with Malik Willis (laughs) and Kyle Pitts and what the future holds for those guys. You know, you don't need it this season, but what it could be, especially with Calvin Ridley coming back, uh, after his suspension. So Malik Willis at eight was, was fun for me. I liked him going to Atlanta. I know you and I kind of talked about it because I had a really tough time with uh, Carolina not taking a quarterback. Essentially, I feel like they need one. But another thing yeah. where everybody I hear talking about it is saying they're going to go tackle, they're going to go offensive line, and maybe they roll back Sam Darnold again. I can't really tell what's going to happen, but I'm 
of the belief that they are going to skip out on quarterback, and that gives Atlanta the chance to jump on Malik Willis. Uh, another fantasy perspective on it, I guess, with uh, number 10, Jamison Williams going to the New York Jets. And he's my first receiver off the board. Like I like I mentioned, you know, that's what I've been hearing a lot of people say. He's electric, and the Jets all offseason have been involved in pretty much every conversation for a wide receiver, you know, from Tyreek Hill to A.J. Brown, whether that was realistic or not. Uh, to DK Metcalf, you know, to Debo Samuel. So I think the Jets are pretty locked in. If, if they don't at four, at 10, taking a wide receiver, and, and Jamison's the first one off the board. So what are your thoughts on that next five? Yeah, I think it's – um. so one, I, I think you're making the right call from what we've seen. You mentioned uh, Daniel Jeremiah's pod. Um, you know, with Carolina at six, I think it's either trade out or tackle, it sounds like at this point. I just, uh, you know, without any second or third round picks, it's they're in such an interesting position that if somebody wants to move up, um, you know, I could see if Evan Neal starts falling, I could see this, I could see the Saints moving up for Evan Neal, um, even though that's an end division trade. You know, it's, um, I think it could be mutually beneficial. That could be an interesting spot. Um, potentially the Giants at five there too could move back. Um, it's uh, but but I like and you and I talked about this. I like Malik in Atlanta. I think if if I'm if I already have him in a league that's already done rookie drafts, or you know if I'm eyeballing him with the 101, 102 in some of these super flex drafts, uh, that's about as as clean of a fit as you could want. Um, you know you might sit there and look at their receivers, but you mentioned already Kelvin Ridley. Likely at this point, he is out for the whole season. So I mean. Malik needs time. We all know that, but you know, you can see them towards the end of the season, start to get him involved a little bit. Um, You know, it wouldn't be very difficult to give Malik some packages with Marcus Mariota as your QB. I mean, they're, they're going to play, I mean, not the same exact game, but you know, you, you've got a lot of probably similar concepts involved there. So um, I really like, the hometown fit. I mean, everybody talks about, you know, he grew up, uh, he went to the same high school as uh, AJ Terrell. It's just like, there's so many connections to be made with him in Atlanta. And I think that's about the best fit that you could hope for, Um, you know, and then Jamison, Jamison in New York. I mean, that's, that's an interesting one. I I'm not a big Zach, Zach Wilson fan. You and I talked about it a lot last year. Um, You know, it's, I don't know if I'm buying in on Zach Wilson, but I mean, you can't deny, you know, you give him um, uh, Elijah Moore, you give him Jamison Williams. Um, I mean, that's another place that they have a, uh, their clock's a little bit longer than some of these other teams too. So, you know, you could afford to give Jamison that extra, you know, whatever it is, six, eight weeks to recover if he needs it. Um, And then him and him and Zach Wilson can go out there and build the report next year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think they're going to go wide receiver there. Like I said, it seems like they've been just trying to just, get one in any capacity and he would be he'd be really fun in in new york him and elijah moore would be it would be a fun combo and yet the malik willis uh kyle pitts duo you know in, in the future would be so sweet and you, <laughs> you can always i mean it's like like i said i was putting wide receiver to them at eight but you can find wide receivers you know that are going to step in maybe later on maybe in the second round uh but you can't get that quarterback and they really do have the flexibility to to give him a year and i think it's a little silly we've talked about it with the lions pick uh in the past when they were rumored to get malik willis too mm-hmm. you know a lot of people say oh next year's class is going to be great you know the 2023 class is going to be great why don't you just take one then and i think it's so easy to say something like that but when you're one of these teams you know whether it be the lions at two or you know atlanta here carolina potentially 
you know, if you don't pick that quarterback and he turns out to be the, you know, Lamar Jackson or Patrick yeah. Mahomes or one of those guys, you regret that for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. Your fan base like never forgets it. You're always brought up for, oh, they picked, you know, Charles Cross instead of the <laughs> all, all pro quarterback. And <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think that a lot of those teams get in that situation where, you know, Atlanta's really needs everything. So why not feel quarterback now if you are, if you like the guy? And like you said, all the, all the like fun connections there. So, that's the next five. Uh, another one, Derek Stingley. I mean, getting into the uh, top 10 there. So I have Ahmad Gardner and Stingley getting into the top 10. And moving on to the next five, I have Drake London going 11 to Washington. I have the Minnesota Vikings picking Trent McDuffie, the corner from Washington. And then the Houston Texans taking Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. Baltimore Ravens taking Jordan Davis from Georgia. And then the Eagles taking Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. So that's the next five, 11 through 15. Um, some of my explanations there, I guess. I mean, Drake London was one that I was thinking at 10. Uh, he's one that I'm also thinking at eight to Atlanta. You know, if they choose to go wide receiver, he's he's not going to make it much further than this, I, I feel. Mm -hmm. You know, out of the top 10 already feels like a stretch based on kind of everything that we've heard. Um, but giving Carson Wentz, you know, that big weapon, again, he just had Michael Pittman, the funny coincidence that they both went to USC, not, not something I was really thinking about at the time, but still it's like when you make that investment for Carson Wentz, <laughs> you, you better kind of try and make this thing work around him, you know, like for this, sure. this is potentially the, the best quarterback Terry McLaurin's had as funny as that might sound. I don't, I mean, Carson Wentz went at his peak, at his peak when he plays well. <laughs> and if you want to actually give Carson Wentz a chance to be good, you know, you put Terry McLaurin around him, Drake London, Antonio Gibson, all these guys, and you could have a lot worse quarterbacks than Carson Wentz that might actually look okay in that sort of setup. So I, I was thinking Kyle Hamilton there at 11, but I go Drake London instead so they can get a weapon opposite McLaurin. And Dammy Brown can keep doing his thing, take the top off the defense, but Drake London is a, a too good to pass up there. Well, I would say too is we've we've seen the trade rumors with Terry McLaurin. So if there's any truth to that, if they don't want to pay Terry McLaurin, then I mean, obviously, a receiver makes a ton of sense um, at that point. And uh, and even if they do keep Terry McLaurin, I mean, we've seen Carson Wentz. You know, he's really thrived with those bigger receivers. And, and you know, going last year with Michael Pittman. I mean, and with Michael Pittman last year, we were all talking about the the comparisons to you know the tight end positions in Philly and. Um, Alshon Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Yeah. Like there, there were all these connections and now they just get even stronger. I feel like with Michael Pittman last year. So now you give them another guy who's comp to like Mike Evans or an AJ green. I mean, that's Drake London. I mean, he's a great fit for, uh, for what Carson Wentz is going to play. And then even the connections, when you look at, um, the Carolina connections, I mean, Ron Rivera, he always had Kelvin Benjamin and he had, you know, Devin Funches. He had some of these bigger, guys at receiver too so it's uh there's a lot of connections that make sense there yeah yeah that, that one felt good like i said i couldn't see him go much further than 11 i was tough to even get him out of my top 10 and then another one just kind of talking about the fantasy impact of it i feel like you know most people that are everyone's doing mock drafts right but you know there's also rookie drafts that are coming up there's dynasty drafts and that's kind of what we're interested in as well so garrett wilson at 15 to the eagles was a little bit of a he was there. I also want Garrett Wilson to go to the Eagles. <laughs> That's a homer move. I didn't make it happen that way, though. And it's it's interesting because really the teams that I think could take a wide receiver, I, I took him as the third wide receiver off the board there. And it's a little later. I think uh, Garrett Wilson's over-under, I think, is around nine and a half to go. So I think the projection is for him to be in the top ten. 
I had him dropping a little bit. I do think the Eagles are going to take wide receiver with one of these firsts this year. I think that it's, you know, third year in a row, Jalen Rager, Devontae Smith, and then would they take another? And with the flexibility of having two and it still being such a need uh, and the way that they also navigated free agency, you know, the Eagles were trying to get Allen Robinson missed on him, uh, apparently trying to get Calvin Ridley uh, that, you know, fell through with Calvin Ridley. So, I think they are targeting a wide receiver with one of these first two picks and getting Garrett Wilson seems almost uh, redundant to having Devonte Smith. They are, they're not, you know, the same player by any means, but you know, a Jamison Williams or a Drake London would have been different uh, opposite Devonte. But I think both of those guys can just win in so many different ways. I mean, Garrett Wilson and Devonte are both guys that I would trust to kind of be your number one. And so having two of them uh, would, would really help Jalen hurts in the same sort of way. Uh, you know, you're talking about Zach Wilson or some of these young quarterbacks. Why not surround them with as many weapons as you can and give them a chance? Because Jalen Hurts gets judged on what it seems a game-by-game basis. And <laughs> the Eagles didn't have a ton for him to work with last year. So they should continue to load him up with with talent and try and try and see what they have before we make any uh, rash decisions about the quarterback position. Uh, Kyle Hamilton also going 13. I mean, at one point. Hamilton was rumored to go as high as two to the Lions in the top five. Um, I love the duo that Houston comes out with of this mm-hmm. draft, you know, going yep. third, getting a Kwanu, and then 13, getting Kyle Hamilton is just sweet, <laughs> you know, for a team like Houston that needs everything to get two guys like that, two potential top five guys. You know, I don't think anybody would lose their minds if Kyle Hamilton went in the top five, even though people are having him drop a little bit. So yep. Houston doubling down and, and getting both of them is a uh, pretty sweet. And Jordan Davis going to Baltimore. I mean, I think everybody sees that that, that would just <laughs> yeah. be a fit if he's there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Calais Campbell's coming back. I mean, he's got to be 33, 34 years old now. And Jordan Davis is just a freak. So really helps a, a Baltimore bolster up their defense again. Yeah, there's it's funny because there's a few teams here in in this range where um Jordan Davis uh, makes a lot of sense, you know, right in that, what I, what I would call like the 12 to um, 18 range, you know, you put him in, in LA with the chargers and it's just a really fun fit. I mean, you put him in Philly, you know, next to Fletcher Cox that they just brought back and, you know, Josh sweat and, and some of the guys up front there, um, uh, Michigan guy, why can't I think of his name? Brandon um, Graham. Yeah. Brandon Graham. There we go. So, I mean, this is Jordan Davis would be a ton of fun in Philly too, but um you know, he's right in that sweet spot. That's a total Baltimore move. They, they get these big, you know, big school guys, awesome production and awesome measurements. And they always freaking fall to Baltimore, like no matter what position it is, like they just Baltimore ends up with them. Um, you know, from a fantasy perspective, we kind of talked on Drake London. Um, you know, I think that uh, Garrett Wilson in Philly is a is a really fun fit. Um, you know, I, I I can see you willing it into existence, whether you wanted to uh, admit it or not. But it's um, but you're right. It's Philly's right in a prime position to end up with one of these receivers. I definitely think they're probably going to take one. Um, you know, it's uh, as big as of investment as they have made. I, they're still lacking in that department. And you put Garrett Wilson and Devonta Smith on the outside with Dallas Goddard. And and now you've got the running game of, of Jalen Hurst. And it's just, it becomes a really fun offense very quick, assuming that, you know, Garrett Wilson pans out, but yeah. 
Yeah, and speaking of the fantasy perspective a little bit, I mean, we'll see with some of these other guys where they land. I mean, in my mock draft where these top five receivers landed, I think Garrett Wilson going to the Eagles would be something that a lot of fantasy people would not be too fond of. I think he might move move down on people's uh, yeah. dynasty draft boards because, yeah. you know, the Eagles are more low-volume passing offense. But talking about the NFL perspective, I mean, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense, sense for them to do it. Talking about Devontae Smith as well for fantasy, I – don't think that would really hurt him. You know, I'm kind of indifferent to the way that some people tend to view that where it's like, Oh, you bring in this other good player. It's going to kill this other guy. No. Yeah. I really think if you watched the Eagles last year, so much of what Devonte Smith could do was limited because they didn't have other players that were also threats on the field. I mean, there were times Jalen Rager did not get off the line of scrimmage and Jalen hurts, you know, had one less receiver downfield. That's one less guy. The defense is worried about Quez Watkins is more of a gadget. So having Quez Watkins be, you know, that sort of third guy with a Garrett Wilson and a Devonte Smith and giving Jalen hurts more of those weapons, I think would be uh, better than people imagine it would be. And I don't think it would necessarily hurt Devonte Smith, but you might get the Rashad Bateman treatment if, uh, if the Eagles pick him there and people might be moving him down in their first round of rookie drafts. Yeah. I think that's a nice comp. I mean, you know, you look at a guy that comes in, you know, drafted pretty high first round by his team that already has, you know, what, what should be considered a wide receiver one and a, you know, a blossoming young tight end um, with a, a QB that, is more known for his running than his passing. I mean, it, that's a really good comp, I think. And and I think you could be in a really nice spot to, let's say Garrett Wilson does end up with Philly. You know, now you're talking to end of the first round. Um, I mean, we both scooped up Bateman a ton last year, and, and I still think you're sitting in a nice spot. Uh, yeah, exactly. I still seen. feel good about it. Yeah, hundred percent. So, yeah, I think I think that's a that's a fun comp, especially from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, moving on to the next five here, we got the New Orleans Saints at sixteen taking Trevor Penning, seventeen the Los Angeles Chargers taking Chris Olave, eighteen the Philadelphia Eagles taking Jermaine Johnson the second, nineteen Devontae Wyatt the D lineman from Georgia to the New Orleans Saints, and at pick twenty the Pittsburgh Steelers taking Kenny Pickett. So. This one, you know, we've got a couple of fantasy guys here, but just some other picks. You know, the Saints going tackle is something that's pretty common right now. I think a lot of people think that that's going to happen with at least mm-hmm. one of these first-round picks. And so I got them doing that at 16 right in front of the Chargers, who also could potentially take a tackle. But I think Chris Olave to the Chargers, like, I can't get away from that. Like, I – and you know yeah. I've done a lot of revisions of these mock drafts and a lot of different ones. Chris Olave to the Chargers is – one that I really don't get away from often. <laughs> I, I just like love it. I think it fits. I think it's the right range of the draft where he's going to go. I feel like it's everything. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's everything that I think would be perfect. Uh, they The Chargers did what good teams do in free agency, and they went and filled needs all over the place. So uh, they, they went and did what good teams do that have a great quarterback on a rookie contract. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Even better way to say it. Uh, and, you know, the Khalil Mack trade is kind of a, an outlier to this, but, you know, they signed J.C. Jackson, they got uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, they filled the D-tackle, they filled a lot of different needs that they should have filled, and now Chris Olave yep. kind of becomes the best player on the board and fills another need for them, which is the best combination. And when you're doing mock drafts and you love doing mock drafts <laughs> the way that we all do, <laughs> you love when it, like, comes together like that. And, you know, you think they have Keenan Allen, they just extended my, uh, Mike Williams, but... Most great offenses in the NFL right now, I mean, you have at least three options in the receiving game. And I'm not discrediting Austin Eckler at all, but having another wide receiver that can do the things that Chris Olave can do 
is different than what Keenan and Mike Williams do. It's a completely different skill set that he possesses. And Keenan Allen's about to be 30 years old. You did just extend Mike Williams. So you have now a present and a future plan. You know, you have Olave who helps right away. And also you're not, you know, shit in the bed when Keenan Allen walks yeah. away or, you know, starts aging a little bit. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is one of my favorite receivers of all time. And I mean, a year ago, year and a half ago to how we feel now about DeAndre Hopkins is, is different. You know, he, he dealt with some injuries and he could bounce back, but it happens a lot quicker than we think it is going to sometimes. So preparing for that the way that the Chargers could with Chris Olave uh, would be great. If you can't tell, I'm really excited about this pick <laughs> happening. Uh, I think that that would really bolster him up as well in rookie drafts. Like, <sighs> genuinely, if, if Garrett Wilson went 15 and Olave went 17 – to those respective landing spots to Philadelphia and then to the Chargers. I think Chris Olave starts jumping Garrett Wilson in rookie drafts. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it. Um, I think it's a, it's certainly a fun fit. Um, I think it makes so much sense because you like you hit on a lot of the ads that they've made, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. But then you even look last year, they they really lucked into Rashawn Slater. So that you know, they've got the young offensive lineman in front of their really great young quarterback. I mean, like we talk about the Jags adding an offensive lineman. I mean, they've done that in front of Herbert. Now you're seeing what happens when you make the smart moves during your young quarterback's first two seasons. You know, you lock up some of your your talent like a Mike Williams, but let's be real, Mike Williams' health has never been pristine in his entire career. So it's not like they're – it's not like it's unlikely that they sit here and all of a sudden that now they only have – Keenan Allen and whoever else is behind that if Mike Williams has to sit for a few games. So now you're starting to groom that Chris Olave. And let's not forget, they also brought in Gerald Everett at tight end too. They lost Jared Cook, but they brought in Gerald Everett. So, um, you know, Chris Olave, I think just he's he's the icing on the cake to a really fun offseason and a really great offseason, honestly, for a team that is is in a prime position to really push for the next two to three seasons before they have to extend Herbert. Yeah, he adds a different element. And I remember last offseason, you and I talked about it a lot because it was something that I really wanted to happen in free agency. I wanted the Chargers to sign Will Fuller last offseason. Uh-huh. And I thought it would have just been a very cool element that they don't have but, in that offense. And Will, But they had Jalen Guyton, who was <laughs> Will Fuller on steroids. Will, Will Fuller not on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. And so they did. They tried to fill that role with Guyton, and he's been fine. But, I mean, they, they've been kind of searching for it. And so Chris Olave would, would be great. Um, yeah. The drop for Jermaine Johnson as well ends with the Eagles at 18. Again, this feels like I you know, worked this for the Eagles to get him. I did not. But his <laughs> over-under, I'll be honest about it, is nine and a half. So people are projecting him to also land around in the top ten. This would be a little bit of a drop. The Eagles just signed Hassan Reddick, which was a, a, a big deal for them, getting an edge rusher. They have Josh Sweat. Uh, they brought back Derek Barnett, which was a little bit surprising, but he's coming back, I think, more in a depth role, and you can never have enough edge rushers. The Eagles love to get edge rushers and D-linemen and yeah. you know that those kind of guys. They, they love those sort of positions. They tend to lean that way. I was actually you know struggling with them taking him or Devontae Wyatt here because I could – I could see that happening as well, but I saw Johnson as kind of the most talented player left on the board and and then just pulling the trigger because they have the second round pick, a little more flexibility. And my second quarterback and the only other quarterback I have going in the first round, Kenny Pickett to Pittsburgh. Uh, You know, I love a good narrative. (laughs) Pittsburgh quarterback going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. I 
this whole draft process, you know, it's been the Steelers are connected to Malik Willis and that's who they want. And, you know, all the down to the pictures of Mike Tomlin standing right next to him at like senior bowl and always at everything Malik Willis was at really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And they're, they, they haven't been shy about it, but moving up from 20 is tough. And especially in this sort of draft where, there's a chance Malik Willis drops. I mean, there's plenty of people that have no quarterbacks going in the first round. There's, right. you know, s- such a lack of consensus. But to move up past all the teams that I think also could use a quarterback that are also kind of sitting back, like we said, Atlanta, maybe Carolina, maybe Seattle even in the second round, who knows? I think it would be tough for Pittsburgh to jump all of those teams. I just don't think it's possible for them. And the Malik Willis story is – the Malik Willis – uh projection is like i said wide ranging he could go anywhere he could be there at 20 and this mock he's not and so pittsburgh takes kenny pickett and who knows maybe maybe he's not better than mitch trubisky you know maybe maybe (laughs) trubisky keeps his job i i don't know but pittsburgh's also kind of uh that's what they need they they need to get a quarterback because the trubisky thing as much as i said who knows yeah I think we unlikely, all know. Unlikely. I think we all kind of know. Yeah, we all kind of know. <laughs> we kind of know. But it's uh, yeah, unlikely that he changes uh, his career and turns it around. So take Kenny Pickett there. What do you, what do you think? Do you think he's going to go second quarterback, first quarterback? Pittsburgh good uh, fit. That's that's a tough call. Um, I like the Pittsburgh fit because they're they're a team that. As fun as Malik Willis would be there, um, you know, they drafted a first-round running back last year with a, a very much aging Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, so why would so... they draft another first-round running back in Malik Willis, right? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can I block you already? Um, let's see. So, I love Malik Willis. <laughs> I would say – so Kenny Pickett makes sense, though, because, you know, you've got – well, and not only was um, – Najee Harris, a first-round running back. He's an older first-round running back. So now you've got a you know a, a running back who is the center of your offense, who's twenty-three. Kenny is it twenty-three? I'm pretty sure. Um, Kenny Pickett, who is who many believe to be the most, I guess, day one ready quarterback in this draft. Um, you know they did sign Mitch Trubisky, but um, you know you look at the numbers and it's not it's not a contract that you sign a guy that you expect him to be your starter. Um, you know it's a guy that you. I think it's a contract that you give to a guy that says, Hey, you know what? Worst case scenario, this is our starter. (laughs) So it's like, I think Kenny Pickett can step in day one and, and compete with Mitch Trubisky. I don't think any other quarterback does that in this class. Um, I think Kenny Pickett's ceiling is probably lower than maybe two or three of these guys. Um, I think it's probably lower. Well, it's definitely lower than Malik Willis. I think it's lower than Matt Corral. And I think it's probably lower than Desmond Ritter. Um, that doesn't mean that all those guys are better than Kenny Pickett, but I just think, you know, trajectory wise. Um, but that being said, uh, Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's still a really good team. You still have two great receivers on the outside. You've got a blossoming young tight end and you've got a ready to go running back. Um, so outside of old line, uh, it, it definitely makes sense that you could get a guy that could step in right away and play quarterback for you. So um, I think it's kind of a sneaky fit. Um, obviously you've got the hometown connection, at least as far as college goes. Um, so it, it makes sense there. Um, I'm not a big Kenny Pickett fan. I'll, I'll put it that way. I think that is, I think his ceiling overall is pretty low. Um, I think he's like, I don't know. I think his ceiling is what we thought Mac Jones was going to be. 
versus what he actually is. <laughs> so, um, and that's not saying a lot because I didn't think Mac Jones was going to be a very great quarterback. So, um, but I like it, you know, for the immediate fantasy outlook of, of the receivers on that team. I like it for the immediate fantasy outlook of Najee Harris because I think that all those guys are still like very featured in that offense. So, um, I think it becomes an offense if Kenny Pickett stays there and starts for a few years. I think it's an offense that is actually centered around the talent that they have around Kenny Pickett versus Kenny Pickett himself. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And it's tough because I think – I do think Kenny Pickett is going to be the second quarterback taken, and that's kind of where I was started to land with this is I think that's the way Pittsburgh goes, the direction they go. And yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, like you said, I think there's the safer upside – or the safer floor with Kenny Pickett than maybe Ritter and Matt Corral and Sam Howell. So – uh gonna stay home in Pittsburgh and we'll, we'll stick it with that and so the one thing I'll say about Pickett is and we're both uh move the sticks fans like we talked about is um is it I think is it Bucky who's big on on the tractors versus trailers when it comes to quarterbacks <laughs> um but I mean they talk about it a lot but I think it's a good comp when he or you know a good metaphor whatever when it comes to Kenny Pickett I think that's a guy that's going to be a trailer for his whole career you know I just don't think he's ever a guy that that really drives the ship, but Pittsburgh set up for him to be that trailer because they've got plenty of really yeah. good talent around them. That's, that is part of the thought process of, of how it'll be, you know, in, in the future, if they do draft one of these young quarterbacks is Ben Roethlisberger was on his last leg for much longer like seven than years. Year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he was really not, and he wasn't, I don't think as bad as sometimes it was made out to be, but he was, you know, he wasn't yeah. great. And so, any sort of upgrade or whether it be an upgrade or even kind of a, a similar guy, maybe even just somebody who's more mobile that can, you know, right. just do some things that Ben couldn't do. The rest of the team, yeah, is pretty set up. Uh, they, I don't think anybody would, again, go crazy if you said Pittsburgh had a chance to win the division because who knows at this point, you know, Deshaun Watson could be suspended. Uh, <laughs> the, the Ravens, yeah. you know, the yeah. Ravens should bounce back, but Pittsburgh's a good team. So if they can get quarterback right, it would be huge. And Kenny Pickett is Maybe the safest uh, chance to do that. So yep. I'll move on to the next five here. I've got the New England Patriots at 21, taking George Karloftis. The Green Bay Packers at 22, taking Traylon Burks. The Arizona Cardinals at 23, taking Tyler Linder Linderbaum. The Dallas Cowboys at 24, taking Zion Johnson. And the Buffalo Bills at 25, taking Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback from Clemson. So... Carl Loftus is interesting. You know, people last year, he was projected to go much higher uh, in the NFL in the draft this year. And he has been talked about falling out of the first round. I think it was Todd McShay who said he's one of the favorites to potentially fall out of the first hmm. in the past couple of days, unless I, I think it's in these past couple of days. I mean, he's over under has climbed up to 22 and a half in the draft. So this is kind yeah. of the range where he's being talked about. And I know the Packers are a team that is, rumored to be interested in him uh, and Pittsburgh, or New England sitting right in front of them. And kind of a flip-flop of this is New England, I also think needs a wide receiver or should invest in a wide receiver. Yeah. When you really look at it though, I mean, they have Devontae Parker, they have Jacoby Myers and they have Kendrick Bourne who they gave a contract to last off season. Devontae, trading for Devontae Parker doesn't mean they're not going to pick a wide receiver to me, you know, in the first couple rounds they may. I just don't think they're going to go back and pick a wide receiver in the first round. I, I think that they are a little it was snake bitten. Is that the the term of taking Nikhil Harry in the first? Yeah. They just haven't hit on other first round wide receivers. And I just don't feel like that's the Patriots 
recipe really to to go after those guys that could change but when you're sitting there with the maybe the top four guys gone bill's kind of got his defense back he's the he's the coordinator again mm-hmm. um he's running the show mcdaniels is gone and bill's team as if it wasn't already but yeah i think carl office is just a good fit there uh they tried it with winovich it didn't work out um he comes in he's another edge rusher from the big 10 and I think it's a good fit. Uh, the next one, Traylon Burks going to the Packers. Interesting. You know, these Darren Waller Packers rumors. I was talking to one of my buddies. I was telling you this as well. He's a big Raiders fan. And I almost think that was more just out of the Packers camp necessarily or Packers media. Being, oh, the Packers might be interested in trading for Darren Waller. I don't, I don't think it was necessarily the Raiders are yeah. trading Darren Waller. But I think we're starting to get to the point where a day and a half out from the draft. And when you start to go through mock drafts, and you start to really look at it, four, if not five, of the top receivers could be gone by the time Green Bay picks. And Green Bay's sitting on Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Amari Rodgers, and Bobby Tanyan. You know, they, they don't have a lot going on for Aaron Rodgers, who they just brought back. And they, they pretty much need to take one of these wide receivers in the first round. So they're actually one of the ones that I think is a big trade candidate to, to move up. I mean, they're sitting on two first-round picks. They can move some other things to actually get up and get the wide receiver that they want. But doing this one without trades, they do pick Traylon Burks, which could be a fun fit. I mean, he's a polarizing guy for for fantasy, for sure, where a lot of fantasy people were saying he was going to be the first wide receiver, the first guy in rookie drafts for probably a couple months after the the, uh, season ended. Once the combine starts happening, once we start kind of zeroing in on some of these other guys, he seems to have faded to maybe the third, fourth, fifth guy uh, on a lot of people's boards and especially in like rookie mock drafts. Going to Green Bay would be interesting, though. <laughs> I think that that would potentially shoot him up a little bit further, too. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's funny because when you said this to me earlier and we were looking at it, um, you know, my first reaction is that Traylon Burks doesn't seem to make a lot of sense with Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, but the more I think about it, I think about Matt LaFleur coming off of the Sean McVay coaching tree, but like realistically that like further branches down to the the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree as well. Um, just, I think they're all kind of from the same mold realistically. So, I mean, we've seen what obviously Sean McVay has been able to do um, with some of these like creative guys. And obviously we've seen what Kyle Shanahan's done with, you know, a Debo Samuel, which we've seen the comp to, with Traylon Burks in some ways with Debo. Um, I think he could be that sort of a, a Swiss army knife type weapon in that offense. Um, and then, you know, as Aaron Rodgers gets a little bit older, depending on how long he wants to play and how long he wants to play and where his skills end up over the next two to three seasons, um, you know, Burks could make a lot of sense. I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's necessarily a guy that's going to uh, stretch the field by, you know, by most accounts, but, you know, he's going to be able to win in some of these creative ways where, you know, they could grab a Burks and then still maybe grab a field stretcher, um, you know, a free agent or something like that. So I, I, I'm starting to come around to the fit. I think it can make a lot of sense. Now, that being said, I mean, I, th- I think that Dallas probably really wants Burks. Um, so I could definitely see if he doesn't, if he doesn't go to green Bay, I could see him ending up in Dallas too. Yeah. He's a hard one to peg because it's, uh, like I said, you know, the fantasy people and what you hear from, from fantasy experts, I would say, or what you hear from kind of the NFL and when, you know, combine time came around all of that, it seemed like 
it's really tough to peg where he falls, you know, or, or yeah. we may be too low on what we think, or maybe is, I think he's one of those guys too, where it, it takes one team, you know, it takes one team that's like, Oh no, we still have him as our, you know, number one guy. Like he's been our number one guy. And he's that type of guy where I think there'll be teams that say that. And there'll be teams that be like, he's our sixth or seventh guy. You know, he has no business going in the first round. Uh, so he's polarizing in that sense. And I, and I understand kind of what you're saying too. I don't know that he's the, fit for Aaron Rodgers. He's definitely not the mold of Devontae Adams, I would say. You know, he's a much different type of wide receiver. And yeah, I think they would have to find ways to get creative with him. But I also think you're kind of at this point, and and it's almost funny with Green Bay because it's, you know, we watch the draft year after year. You know, every every year you get another chance to to make a first round pick. And Green Bay for years and years, you know, have uh, failed to pick a wide receiver early on and, and get Aaron Rodgers help. And at this point, after all we've gone through these past two years, to now come back going into this next season, they don't have Devontae Adams. <laughs> I know. You know well. Like, isn't that insane? But they have Aaron Rodgers on this pretty much last ride. Of, yeah. We got a couple of years and we got to make this happen. And who knows if Traylon Burks is going to work or not, but I do think he gives them the highest upside to have a chance if this guy hits, you know, maybe we didn't miss as big of a beat as we could have, you know. And I just think they're locked in to taking a wide receiver and with one of these picks and uh, whether they trade up and, and get their own guy, get maybe someone who's a better fit uh, could definitely happen. I think that's I think that's possible. But I, I do think they have to take one here. <laughs> well, well, and we'll get into your uh, your second Green Bay pick here in a few. But um, like I hadn't really thought about it, but. It's not that crazy to think that Green Bay could even double dip at receiver. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I, they were clearly cap strapped and they had to make some moves. You know, I I don't I obviously I don't know about the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I could speculate all day, but I mean the trade happened. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them double dip and maybe they grab Burks at 22 and maybe maybe like a George Pickens at 28. Now you've got Burks and Pickens. Now you've got your true X and an awesome Z. And it's just, I mean, you could let Aaron Rodgers thrive with those two for the next couple of seasons. And I mean, like, <laughs> tell I, me see, if I, those two guys live up to it, like how awesome is that offense? Like as a Lions fan, I hate it, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers with, with the best version you could get of George Pickens and the best version you could get a trail on Burks. Like that's freaking fun. Well, I agree. And I think a lot of people probably do, you know, looking at, oh, you have, they have two first round picks. A mat- and when you look at Green Bay's roster, and I, I was talking to you about this earlier today, is there aren't many holes. You know, it's wide receiver. There's a hole at wide receiver and they need yeah. to fill it. They need to get help. The rest of their roster really isn't, you know, it's pretty complete, essentially. So I agree. And I think it would be fun for them to do it at the same time with them never doing it. Never taking the receiver <laughs> yeah. in the first round. I'm, I feel like it would just be nuts. And the Packers are one of those organizations where I think until a couple of years ago, um, I'm blinking out on what it was, but it's something about their draft picks. I mean, the, the Packers like keep their guys, they pick guys yeah. that stay around for a while. And I don't know. I feel like they're going to also make that other pick. You know, they're going to be like, okay, fine. We need to get a wide receiver. <laughs> we can't ignore it this year, but we're going to fill another <laughs> yeah. thing with like a guy that we would have just liked. So I, I agree. I think it would be most fun for them to double dip though. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. Uh, yeah. And Cowboys going Zion Johnson, I think too, the guard from Boston college. I mean, I, I get what you're saying about uh, Traylon Burks going there too. Cause I think the Cowboys are going to be interested in him. 
Zion Johnson also feels like kind of a cowboy to me. <laughs> I feel like he's just going to sit yeah. right in the, in the middle of that line for a long time, uh, unfortunately. Well, they tend I'll, to hit on their O-line picks. The Cowboys do pretty well uh, scouting offensive linemen. Yeah, I mean, and I'll give you credit. I think you were probably the first one that I saw put Burks to um, Dallas, and then we really started to see it kind of heat up when it just came to, like, the Jerry Jones connections and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I – I think yeah, I was a- doing Burks to Dallas months ago and hating myself for it. That, was, that <laughs> yeah. was the time when everyone was still very into Traylon Burks. And I was like, yeah. oh, I really could see this happening as much as it like would be terrible for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you were probably one of the first that I saw on it. So I'll, I'll give you those props um, on tonight's show. But um, yeah, I, I think that if they don't make a, a splash pick, like if there's not – if there's not a guy that falls to Dallas, like has happened for the last two drafts, then I could see them going with just like the, the easy pick, you know, build up that old line in front of Dak, in front of Zeke, in front of Pollard, like they've, like they've had before. Um, you know, I think that there's, if they really want a receiver, they could probably go and get one, um, you know, later in this draft to, to kind of fill that wide receiver three role. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a fun pick, especially if you're sitting on Dak, you know, in a dynasty league. I mean, obviously, the more more your team invests in the O line, the better. Um, you know, the best version we've seen of the Dallas Cowboys offense over the last what five seven years has been when they've had just that stud O line. You know, that's really what they've prided themselves on. So I could see it. Um, I could a hundred percent see Arizona grabbing a offensive line as well. Um, especially if you're about to pay Kyler Murray, you know, get the cheap options in front of him as, as best as you can. Um, I also think that that's a sneaky spot for receiver. And that's what really makes, I think the early twenties interesting is that I could legitimately see receiver being an option for green Bay at 22, Arizona at 23, Dallas at 24, and even Buffalo at 25. I mean, even so far as Tennessee at 26, I mean, there's, all five of those teams could very easily take receivers. So, you know, for one, to your point about Green Bay trading up, um, that's an option, but maybe it's an option more so to keep some of these other teams from trading up and grabbing their guy too. Yeah, good call. And yeah, Linderbaum sneaking into the to the Cardinals at 23. Uh, I, I had a buddy who I showed this mom to as well. And I've actually been having Linderbaum to the Cardinals for a little while. He's one of those consistent ones. And as much yeah. as I revise my mock drafts all the time, there are a couple guys that like, when I really love, just love the fit over and over, and it doesn't impact the rest of my drafts. And Linderbaum's yeah. one of those where he's just been to the Cardinals. And Rodney Hudson is there, who, you know, is great center. But he's 32 years old. He's been in the league for 11 years. I don't know when that's going to stop. And like you said, I mean, if you're about to invest in, invest in Kyler Murray, Kyler Linden, Linderbaum, people are saying, is maybe the best center prospect to come out in a long, long time. Yeah. So uh, good there. Moving on to the next five, and then I'll just finish up with the two after. Uh, Tennessee Titans at 26, taking the linebacker from Utah, Devin Lloyd. At 27, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Travis Jones, the D-lineman from Connecticut. At 28, the Green Bay Packers taking Daxton Hill, cornerback slit safety from Michigan. And at 29, the Kansas City Chiefs with their first pick, taking Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver from Penn State. And then I'll do those next two. But uh, for these these next four picks – Devin Lloyd's one, we're also kind of been going through trends of this offseason where he was going a lot yeah. higher a couple months ago. He seems to be dropping a little bit. I would love the Eagles to take him. Uh, you know, the long-running joke, the Eagles do not invest in linebackers <laughs> as much as we want them to. So that's one that I would love 
love to happen, but uh, he keeps dropping. There were a couple other spots where I thought about him at, at New England. I thought they could potentially take him. Uh, even New Orleans, uh, you know, they have a Demario Davis. He's getting a little bit older. They hit on Pete Warner last year, but they could still add him. Tennessee also felt like a good fit, though. You know, they let Jayon Brown go. It's already a good defense, already a good team, and you get a linebacker like that that can just come in and be a game changer right away. Uh, you know, similar to the way that like Darius Leonard's come in and just completely changed the Colts defense. That's kind of why I, I want the Eagles to see this image. <laughs> I'll just tell because <laughs> Siri, Nick Sirianni was the Colts' offensive coordinator. But yeah. he's still on the team, and he was around when they picked Darius Leonard. And when you see that type of player come in and like impact a whole unit like that, I hope the Eagles can see that and be like, you know, maybe we should get ourselves a Darius Leonard. And but, so it's funny, though, because I wanted to comment to you earlier about the um, – because I think at one point you had them maybe even taking a Kobe Dean. But I, I love the idea of them taking a linebacker in general because you mentioned, um, you know, J.R. Brown, but they also – well. I don't, has he signed somewhere? I'm not sure yet, but uh, Rashawn Evans is also a free agent. If he hasn't signed anywhere yet, I think he did, but um, you know, they've lost two, two linebackers this off season and two guys that I think are, are pretty darn good in this league. So um, I couldn't tell you who their other linebackers are. Oh, they have Zach Cunningham. That's right. They have Zach Cunningham. Yeah. That's right. I forgot they brought him in last year. So, um, but, but I still like the idea of them grabbing another linebacker because they've really lost two this off season. And, and obviously you've got a team led by Mike Rabel. I mean, it's a, I could totally see them going after linebacker, especially if Devin Lloyd falls or, you know, to that point, Nicobe Dean too. Yeah, I mean, they have they brought back Harold Landry again. They have Bud Dupree, who they're still paying a lot of money. Uh, and then Jeffrey Simmons in the middle, Kevin Byard. They have a lot of good players on that defense, yep. and he would really be the cherry on top. And uh, Travis Jones going to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, I'm not sure if Dominican Sue is coming back or not. I think he's still kind of in the balance, but yeah, you just add in Travis Jones right off the bat to just kind of fill that hole uh, right where Dominican Sue was was rotating around with Vita Vea and you just kind of keep things rolling the way that Tampa Bay I think wants to do it and Todd Bowles taking over the first year as head coach I, I kind of think they are going to go with a defensive player that offense is is pretty loaded I could see them maybe add somebody to the offensive line but I think Travis Jones is a good pick there Daxton Hill to the Green Bay Packers was this was a tough one for me, uh, figuring out this second pick for the Packers. I was kind of going through a lot of different players here because, like I said, I think they have a pretty, pretty complete roster, and I don't think they're going to double dip on receiver just because I don't think that's the Packers' M.O., but they have a good secondary. I mean, they have Jair Alexander. They brought back Rasul Douglas, who has had a second career in Green Bay after his failed career in Philadelphia, and they have Eric Stokes, you know, young corner. But yeah. Jackson Hill could play the slot right away and yep. fill a role that they really don't have as much. And he could really just like, you know, play that, have all these other great players around him. They have a good pass rush. They have Devondre Campbell who came on last year, Kenny Clark. So Jackson Hill's a guy I think he's going to sneak into the first round. And I think Green Bay was a good landing spot for him. Uh, 29, I have Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver from Penn State going to Kansas City. Another one where, you know, Kansas City's right out of that range of the top, top guys. But, you know, I'll reference DJ again. I mean, DJ dropped a little nugget the other day saying he could see John Dotson go in the early 20s, which I think mm -hmm. would surprise a lot of people. And, you know, really productive, exciting player, just not getting the same sort of buzz as those top guys. 
Yeah. If he lands in Kansas City, I think we're going to have to go back through the, you know, <laughs> similar thing that we do when anybody lands in Kansas City is we, we're going to get excited <laughs> about it. And I think that, you know, maybe people's pre-draft rankings are going to change a little bit once the post-draft happens. If you get a Traylon Burks in Green Bay and a Jahan Dotson in Kansas City, I think, <laughs> you know, there might be some, oh, you know, some priors changed. Uh, so I think that's a fun pick. And I have him going the next pick at 30, going Boyamafe, the uh, edge from Minnesota, the Cincinnati Bengals taking Kenyon Green, the guard from Texas A&M at 31, and then wrapping it up at 32, the Detroit Lions taking Lewis Seen from Georgia, the safety. Uh, I think George, uh, talking about the Lions really quick, just both their picks. I mean, getting Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan and Seen from Georgia, and I think you're going to dig this narrative that I'm about to talk about is I think the Lions are really trying to build a culture. And I think they've been uh, brutally honest about that. You know, they're oh, yeah. trying to completely change the culture in Detroit. And you get those two guys, you know, who two guys who were in the college football playoff, two guys who are, you know, big time players on their defenses. And you get to just continue building this two guys that came from, like I said, winning programs. And I think that's mm-hmm. important when you're trying to change the culture Realistically, I don't think the Lions pick at 32. Uh, I think someone's going to trade up to grab one of these quarterbacks to, you know, get that fifth-year option, get the first-round quarterback. But for the for the sake of the mock, I think Lewis seems a good pick because if they don't pick him at 32, I think they could take him at 34, uh, and he'd really be a difference maker on their defense. You'd add two impact players, I think, with Hutchinson and, and Seen in the same draft, and then you, you know, in the second round, you can add a wide receiver potentially or fill some of the other needs. Yeah, I mean, just to continue on that um, that note for the Lions, I would I would be fully on board with Aiden Hutchinson and Louisine. Um, it's just uh, like you said, there's there's the culture aspect, there's the the bolstering the defense. You know, they've got Aaron Glenn and Aubrey Pleasant as their defensive coaches. Um, Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator, former cornerback, Aubrey Pleasant came over from the Rams, worked with Jalen Ramsey and, and all their other defensive backs. So it's like, you know, you really have a defense that is built on safety. Um, and I think Louis Seen could really just add an element to that defense, especially in the late first that, um, I think they're, they might be lacking right now. Um, I love the idea of, you know, both of them bringing that, you know, sort of quote unquote championship pedigree um, and really being leaders of two of the better defenses in, in all of college football last year. So um, I, I certainly would be on board with it. Um, it'd be super fun. I mean, I've got a defense like uh, they just brought in Deshaun Elliott from the from the Ravens at safety. And some of the quotes that he said, he's like, we played the Lions last year. And he's like, those guys didn't quit. You know, you could tell they love their coaches. You could tell this, that. And it's just to see them draft two guys on defense, like as much as I would, I would love to see Malik Willis turn into the next Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick or whatever comps you want to make, um, you know, for the Lions. It's just to see them add two just absolute studs on defense would be awesome as well because I mean that's just I think that's going to be the Dan Campbell philosophy you know moving forward um, and so I can definitely see that um, and but to your point about them trading back I think that it is definitely a prime spot um, I think you look at Seattle I think they have picks forty and forty one um, those I mean 
if a quarterback or multiple quarterbacks make it to 32, I think the Lions would be more than happy to trade out of that spot, um, you know, move down to 40, 41, whatever it is. Um, even Atlanta, if they don't grab a quarterback high, I think, you know, they're another team that could definitely trade up from the same similar range. I think they're at 39. Um so I think both of those could happen. Um, and then you see the Lions move back, um, especially having that pick 34, two picks later. It's like whatever guy you want at 32, yeah, you lose out on that fifth-year contract. But, um, you know, I, you could likely presume that that guy is probably going to still be there at 34, and then you gain whatever extra picks um, by moving back 10 spots or eight spots. Um, yeah. That being said, you know, looking at some of your other picks here at the end of the draft, um, you talked about Daxon Hill to Green Bay. Um, that's a fun fit. You know, we talked about how how strong their defense is. I think adding anybody at defense, whether it's, you know, Daxon Hill, maybe Boy Amafe, um, maybe the, the defensive end out of Penn State. Um, he's gaining a lot of traction right now. Um, Abiketti, something like that, I think his last name is. So he's mm-hmm. gaining a lot of traction early um, what I would say late first round traction. So I could see them doing that. They lost um, Zadarius Smith. So it, somebody like Boy Mafe could be a fun replacement on a really cheap contract for them. Um, I already talked about them double dipping, you know, Pickens. Uh, I could see them grabbing him after already grabbing Burks. That'd be super fun. Um, you know, I my hope is that the Lions are able to grab Christian Watson. I think he's a guy that fantasy wise, like if he ends up early or late first round, you know, to Green Bay, maybe Kansas City, um, you know, possibly even Tennessee, somewhere in that range. I think uh, Christian Watson could could be a, a really interesting target. Um, but I mean, give me Jahan or why why am I messing up his name? Jahan Dotson. Um, you know, give me him in Kansas City, and and now you're definitely talking uh, really fun late first round pick too. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, talking about some of the duplicates, uh, so many teams that have two picks in this draft. Yeah, uh, we touched on it earlier. The Houston Texans coming out with Ikea Kwanu and Kyle Hamilton, and then the Giants getting Evan Neal and Sauce Gardner. I mean, would just be awesome for for the Giants too. I almost. Uh, you know, not only as an Eagles fan, just as a typical uh, NFL draft fan. I mean, I, I don't know if the Giants could hit a home run out of the park like that, <laughs> but maybe they do in this mock draft. Uh, the Saints get yeah. out with Trevor Penning and Devontae Wyatt would be nice in the trenches, and the Packers getting Traylon Burks and Daxton Hill, as we talked about. Chiefs coming out with Dahan Dotson and Boya Mafe. So a lot of teams with you know duplicate picks. I, I really expect there to be Lions. Lions. So we just talked about them. Aiden Hutchinson and Louis C. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I feel like just draft narrative wise, I feel like the Lions get like forgotten about when it comes to the teams with multiple first round picks. Just because they're, they're so like, out. yeah, they're at bookends yeah. of the draft. So it's just, <laughs> but it's like, it, you know, it's, it is definitely like we talked about. It's such an advantage having that trade chip, you know, late first round because it, it, I guess I think about it this way. You know, you talk about some of the teams that want to move up to the early first. Um, you know, like you get to have those conversations, but then it's like, you've got that pick in the back end. So like you can have conversations with literally all 32 teams, whether it's moving back from the early first, moving up from the late first, or even moving down into the second. So this, this draft is going to bring just, I think it's going to bring chaos. You know, I, I know you didn't do trades in your, um, your mock, but man, this, Oh, I think there's going to be a ton. There's going to be chaos. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think you'll see. I think you'll see picks traded uh, for values that seem really wonky to us at the time, but because of where teams have players valued, you know, like we've heard, um, you know, 
there's only 18 first round grades in this draft or what have you. So I think once you get to that late teen range, things are going to get really weird. Um, you know, especially as I think, especially as some of these teams might want to move up as well. So happy to help Austin. Uh, Austin says love in the lion stock. Happy to help, man. Um, Maybe I'll come on and talk talk more after the draft and see what, who we pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've been talking to some of the offensive fits. Uh, so we had two quarterbacks, or I had the two quarterbacks go. Uh, Malik Willis at 8 to Atlanta and Kenny Pickett at 20 to Pittsburgh. Uh, the other offensive players, no running backs in the first, which uh, I thought was going to happen last year too, which I was wrong about. I will, you know. Got him. Yep, I was wrong about that. <laughs> Got there, were, there were two last year. I uh, don't expect there to be any this year. Maybe maybe a Brees Hall or Kenny, Kenneth Walker sneaks in, but I don't really see where. Uh, and the wide receivers, I, I mocked here. Uh, Jameson Williams, the first one, go to the Jets. Drake London to the Commanders. That's the first time I've said the Commanders on here. Uh, Garrett Wilson to the Eagles. And Chris Olave to the Chargers. Traylon Burks to the Packers. Jahan Dotson to the Chiefs. Uh, I don't think I mix, missed any uh, offensive players there. So, so let me ask you this then, you know, as we kind of come to a close a little bit, because we weren't able to talk running backs and there's such a polarizing, you know, obviously position when it comes to fantasy, it, who, and I think I asked this uh, when you guys had um, uh, Angelo on last week, but what are some of your favorite fits when it comes to the running backs? You know, uh, not necessarily specific player and team, but just some of the teams, you know, because I think you and I were talking about this earlier this week. I think that New Orleans could be a really sneaky fit for for some of these running backs. And, you know, we're going to see them come off the board day two, day three. But, you know, give me like Samir White or even Pierre Strong in New Orleans with Alvin Kamara. And I think that, you know, you have a really fun, you know, dynamic there. Um, yeah, the Saints, are, the Saints are fun. I mean, I really think Houston shapes up to be kind of the Najee Harris type situation of last year. Yeah. Where- if, if they pick one of those guys or Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, even, you know, Isaiah Spiller, one, one of those guys, whoever, those are just the guys that I think projected to go the highest. So I'll talk about them, but yeah, put Brees Hall in Houston. And I mean, people can say whatever they want about Houston, but it's just so many touches. That's just such an avenue to, to get so many <laughs> yeah. carries, probably so many receptions, just being the focal point of an offense. Uh, so I think Houston is really a, a fun landing spot. I'd be very happy if any of those, Running backs landed in Houston. New Orleans is fun. Uh, the Eagles are, are a sneaky one, too. I mean, I think some people would like to think that that it's always going to be the way that it was last year. I think that was almost more by uh, availability. I mean, yeah. Miles Sanders really has always kind of struggled to be consistently available. He's also struggled to play consistently, uh, which, you know, he's a, he's a good player, a lot of talent, and it's just a been kind of a frustrating situation for him, but they are the number one rushing offense. Uh, they were last year, and that leaves a lot of room for somebody to come in. If it's if it's one of those top guys, uh, you know, Miles Sanders can kind of step back to a different role. Kenny Gainwell could be involved, but you know, when you're running the ball as much as the Eagles were, I think they're a sneaky fit. But I don't think they're really the best one. I mean, I, th- I think Houston would be one of my favorites. Uh, the Jets would be interesting. I feel sorry for Michael Carter because. I think that he's good, and I think it would yeah. depend what kind of running back goes there. If Kenneth Walker goes there, I think that answers a lot of questions for us uh, on both sides. Fun. Yeah, but I think it kind of answers some questions, maybe positively or negatively, on both sides of it because sure. I think that would limit Kenneth Walker's uh, receiving ability or receiving opportunity. I think that yeah. that would kind of set two roles. There'd be more of the the early down back and the third down back, but 
a lot of teams, you know, 90% of the teams in the NFL are kind of set up that way, splitting between at least two or three guys. Uh, but the Jets and Houston seem to be kind of the two that I'd be, that I think are like maybe the most favorable Atlanta, Atlanta as well, actually. So, I mean, imagine if Atlanta, sorry, imagine if Atlanta got Malik Willis and then in the second round turned around and picked one of these running backs. Yeah. Which, you know, might be a little redundant on offense. You're adding a lot, but fast forward a year later and maybe you're able to add some other pieces around and then you have this rushing offense with Malik Willis and like Kenneth Walker or Brees Hall with Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley and things start to change really quickly. So Atlanta, I'm going to narrow it down. Atlanta, Houston, and uh, uh, the Jets. The Jets would be probably my favorite landing spots, but I think the Eagles and New Orleans are kind of some, some sneakier ones. So I think it's fun to kind of look at like some of like the strengths of some of these guys too, because you know you and I have been on the Pierre Strong bandwagon for <laughs> for the last what ten days since we drafted him. <laughs> so. Yeah, and then Angelo came on our show and just gave us you know all all the information to get higher on Pierre Strong. <laughs> yeah, but you look at him like he comps to like a Darren McFadden or a Tevin Coleman. So you know I think he'd be super fun in New York with. Um, you know, with Michael Carter, I think that gives Michael Carter a chance to still maintain a solid PPR floor. Um, you know, possibly Miami. Um, you know, I would even look at somebody like uh, uh, Pierre Strong as being really fun with like an Austin Eckler. Um, you know, I could see the Chargers grabbing a running back in like the fifth round. I think some of these guys are going to fall to day three that normally shouldn't, but just because they're, I think they all have pretty specific skill sets. Um, you know, like James, uh, so let's say this, like, let me grab one, like James cook, like uh, what's a good, like fun fit for him. I think a fun, f- I actually was just saying this to my buddies about this and there's a lot of fun fits. Cause I think he has kind of a specialized uh, skill set that could be used a lot of places, but I think Baltimore yeah. would be fun Ooh, for him uh, Baltimore. and not really too fun for again, <laughs> like me who I love, I love JK Dobbins. I have a lot yeah. of JK Dobbins on my fantasy teams. I just think that would be a fun fit. And I kind of think that Baltimore is going to break all of our hearts and invest in another running back just because why not uh, yeah. at some point, I so, mean, James Cook could be available in like the fourth round, you know, and Baltimore could be like, why not? <laughs> you know? yeah, why sure. not add another guy here? Gus Edwards might not be back as healthy as he once was. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, you know, coming off of a, a big time injury, and and uh, James Cook would have kind of a different element that they don't really have, and a little bit of what they got to see with Devonte Freeman. Mm-hmm. You know, they had Devonte Freeman; they were able to utilize him like that. And I mean, if J.K. Dobbins got the Devonte Freeman like receiving role with what he's able to do, I mean, that would be a, a big boost for J.K. Dobbins. But I don't really know if they're going to give him that, and I could see them add another running back. So I think uh, that would be one, and maybe even. Yeah, New England brought back James White, but uh, yeah, I don't know. What are some of your favorite ones for James Cook? Yeah, so uh, it's interesting to think about James Cook. So it's funny because partially I would love to see Pierre Strong and James Cook end up on the same team. Then they could just be like modern age, like Devonta Freeman and Devin Coleman, <laughs> because like I think they would both fit those roles perfectly. Um, but yeah, I mean, James Cook's an interesting one, you know, trying to think of some teams that could really value like that PPR. The, Cardinal, the Cardinals could also use a running back. That's, uh, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's the fit. I think it's a team. It's a team that we hadn't mentioned in the, in the running back discussion and losing Chase Edmonds. They still have James Conner, but you can definitely add another element to the, to the James Conner conversation. Uh, so they, they could be one that, that takes a running back and relatively early. So what if, uh, all right, let me give you one more because I think it's a really fun fit that I haven't seen much, but Kenneth Walker, 
he could go to Seattle at 40 or 41. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker in Seattle with like their history of, of just these beast backs, I think I think makes a lot of sense and would be super fun like if they drafted him at 40 or 41. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, you know, you can see them. Like, if they wait on quarterback, I, or maybe they trade one of those picks to move up to, like, say, 32 with Detroit. Yeah. And, and they grab a quarterback. Maybe it's Matt Corral. And then they come back, at, at, you know, at the second pick in that second round, and then they grab uh, Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I could see Seattle being Kenneth Walker landed spot. I Yeah, I, I could see that. I'm kind of uh, – yeah, yeah, I could see it. <laughs> it's a it's a fun one to think about, but I, I mean, I mean, just... I, well, Chris Carson, I really like. I mean, it's one of the biggest mysteries in you know, I think anybody's mind is if Chris Carson's even going to be playing next year, you know, in the NFL, yeah. dealing with a neck injury and he's dealt with injuries in the past, and there really hasn't been any uh, you know definitive news on him. So we'll see. Yeah. They could invest in a running back and kind of get back to what they're they're used to doing. So. Yeah, I think I think Kenneth Walker could step in right away, and I mean he's immediately better than Rashad Penny, so um, you know I think that's a fun landing spot, especially if they if they commit to Drew Locke. I mean, you better have a good running game behind Drew Locke. So let me ask you a couple, one more before uh, the fantasy perspective on this. So if if my mock draft were to come true, for instance, with these landing spots at wide receivers, so that's Jamison Williams to the Jets, Drake London to Washington, Garrett Wilson to Philadelphia. Chris Olave to the Chargers, Traylon Burks to the Packers, and Jahan Dotson to the Chiefs in the first round. Hmm. How does that shake out for you fantasy wise going into rookie drafts? Um, I think I would put Drake London at wide receiver one. Um, wide receiver two, probably. That's tough. Um, I think it, it immediately gets tough. Um, I think I believe in the talent of Jamison Williams so much that I would probably put him up there. At, uh, you know, take that back. Garrett, uh, Olave. I forgot Olave to the Chargers. So give me London. London with uh, Wentz. Olave with Herbert, um, which seems crazy, you know, in some ways, because I think he's kind of going on that fringe wide receiver five to six range. But um, I think he would jump up for me. And then um, – that's tough. I want to say Garrett Wilson, but it's tough because I, I just don't know how many, you know, how many targets are going to go around in, in Philly to really make him, him, but him at that ask, point. You could ask yourself too, is Jalen Hurts the long-term answer, you know, and maybe a year down the road, it's somebody else throwing to Garrett Wilson and Devontae Smith. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're certainly right. Um, it's tough. I, I agree with that you. Is, that is. I mean, it becomes really tough. I, I think it makes it interesting to have have one of those picks in like that that four to six range in the first round because, you know, it's. I think that's going to become the sweet spot where, you know, maybe it's maybe it's kind of a cop out, but you don't have to make the decision. It's it's made for you, mm-hmm. and I mean, <laughs> maybe it's easier to live with at that point. I think it would be. Yeah, I think it would be a very tough decision. I as much as I you know like. The mock draft, I, I made the mock draft. I don't love some of these landing spots for the top guys. It doesn't make you feel, you know, too great about, uh, especially where those top three landed, you know, the Drake London, Jameson Williams, and Garrett Wilson, at least for next year. You know, that's talking about Carson Wentz, Zach Wilson, and, you know, I'm a fan of Jalen Hurts. I love Jalen Hurts, but he's not necessarily the uh, the best quarterback you want for your fantasy wide receiver. So those are three situations that are tough, and then the next three yeah. land with, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes, you know, so 
I think yeah. it will become, a, if, if this were to happen, it would become an interesting discussion of, are you taking the player based on the, the talent where you had them or the yeah. situation? And I, I don't know, with this class this year, as much as everybody wants to make their declarations for, this is my top guy, this is my wide receiver one. And, you know, J.J. Zacharyson, I'll give him credit for it. He's been, you know, he's grouped them all in the top, in his top five tier is the top five that is going here. Jahan Dotson right uh, outside in, in a different tier for him. But still, that top five in its own yeah. tier and landing spot really is going to alter it this year. Like like I yeah. said, I mean, I think if Chris Olave went to the Chargers and Garrett Wilson went to the Eagles, I think you see Chris Olave going ahead of Garrett Wilson a lot of places yeah. just based on we're talking about Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. And I think that that would uh, make a lot of decisions easier for people. So, all right. I, I've got another one for you then because it's it, – because we haven't talked enough about the quarterbacks. And I think that Malik Willis ending up in Atlanta, let's say Malik Willis is in Atlanta and you have the 101 in a quarterback, or you have the 101 and you need a quarterback, right? Maybe you've got maybe you've got one stud and one kind of eh guy. Are, are you taking Malik Willis 101 if he ends up in Atlanta, or are you still all in on Brees Hall? Mm. I thought you were going to ask if I about the quarterback going 101. No, I'm talking um, about like the yeah, 101 that, in the draft. That's a tough one. I, I don't think – I think it, this year it actually does come more down to a little bit of what you need. I, I think if you're a team that needs to, you know, win now and you're a team that needs one more piece, I think you add Brees Hall because there's a chance right. that he could have a window as a running back where, you know, a Jonathan Taylor-type window where it's just insane and – if you sell him at the – we're talking about dynasty potential. Yeah. If you have Brees Hall for those first couple of years and he, you know, has, has a good season. He, talk about Javante Williams, for instance. I mean, Javante Williams, uh, Melvin Gordon just signed an extension there, so that might change things a little bit. But Javante Williams came off a year that wasn't even, you know, outstanding as a rookie. He looked great when, when he did, but he didn't even get the full workload and you're able to flip him for multiple first-round picks. You could probably go back this year and draft a quarterback with at that at that point. Yeah. And you get a Brees Hall during that window of a, an opportunity as a young running back. I think you take him if you need to win right away. But if you're a team that's rebuilding, I, I, I still think it's, I still think I'd probably go Brees Hall. I, I don't know yeah. that it's like for sure that it's, you know, if you're win now or rebuilding, I would understand more if somebody took Malik Willis 101 being like, you know, he's going to play. They just, if they take him in the top 10, goes to Atlanta, Marcus Mario does not the long-term answer. He's already going to be connected to maybe the best tight end prospect we've ever seen, <laughs> Yeah, uh, which is a pretty good spot to be. Calvin Ridley coming back the next year, whatever Atlanta does the rest of this draft. So I would understand somebody taking Malik Willis one, one if he landed in Atlanta, uh, if he landed in a lot of spots. I mean, I think if he goes in the first round and lands somewhere, you know, really anywhere in the first round. I mean, I would understand you taking Malik Willis over Brees Hall just because of the, you know, in a super flex league, the value of a quarterback. And even if he lands in Atlanta, you know, we're talking about, oh, he should sit the whole year. Like, yes, that that, that hardly happens. You know, Trey Lance, like, actually did for the most part, you know, yeah. aside from Jimmy missing some time here and there. I find it hard to believe if Marcus Mariota really looks terrible that Malik Willis doesn't play at all, you know, that you don't get some value from him early on. And I, I think he's going to be a stud. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty in on Malik Willis. So same. Uh, same. yeah, goes back and forth. I mean, I don't, I don't think this is anything like last year, you know, where you're sitting there and being like, you got to take one of these quarterbacks, which may not have even been the right decision. You know, look at Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts and what they did in their rookie season. So I don't think there's any consensus. I think there's going to be a lot of 
Brees Hall. There's going to be a lot of Malik Willis. Uh, I don't think there's going to be necessarily uh, a set answer at 101. And I think it's going to drive a lot of people crazy because I also don't think the price for 101 is garnering the same sort of return as it did last year. Right. And people that are trying to trade out of 101 are thinking, why am I not getting you know a huge package for 101? And I think you're not because the person that gets it doesn't know what they're going to do with it either. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's interesting the parallels that that draws to this year's NFL draft too. And and I certainly think we'll get a ton of clarity after we see these landing spots and just kind of see you know what the league does um, you know this weekend. But um, you know, thinking about it right now, I think it definitely draws a lot of parallels because. <laughs> It, the same as as these teams in the top five, seven picks in the NFL draft, at least what we're hearing reported is that they're not getting the type of calls that they want to get to trade down. So we might see trades, um, you know, for less value than the supposed trade charts have. And, and the same might be true in some of our rookie drafts. Um, so having a higher pick right now might not have the same value that it, you know, that it normally has. Exactly. And we could talk about this forever, but. I think we've gone late enough. Ben, you're on the East Coast, man, and I got to be conscious of that. It's not as late for me, but Central time. But you Central know, time, Central yeah. time. Uh, thank you for coming on, dude. I appreciate it. This was fun. I hope it was fun for everybody listening as well. I hope we did a good rundown of going through all the picks. You know, when you're doing it in audio uh, portion, you know, you want to make sure that you're you're touching on everything. So I hope that we did that. And this was episode three. Uh, after the NFL draft, we have Thor Nystrom from NBC Sports Edge coming on to recap the draft, as well as uh, Jeff Bell from Football Guys. So they're actually going to be back-to-back nights for us next week, recapping the draft and giving a little bit of a different perspective. Thor maybe a little bit on the landing spots and you know maybe more of the NFL draft perspective. And, and Jeff Bell coming on and giving us maybe a little bit more of the fantasy perspective and uh, getting you ready for your rookie drafts if you're pushing them back. I mean, I want to do all mine on Monday, but it seems like a lot of my league mates <laughs> want to do them a little bit further out. So the, we'll they're not all all these degenerates like us that are just so deep. Already, <laughs> I want to like, do it Saturday night yeah. when it ends. I want this rookie draft to start. Because <laughs> you've already like thought about each landing spot already. Like These guys are just not even at that point yet. It's funny when you get to this point of the mock draft season when you're and you've done all of this, and then it's kind of you already think they're going to like land in these certain spots. And then right. maybe a couple weeks after when they actually are on your those teams, you have to remind yourself, oh, yeah, this guy actually landed <laughs> yeah. here, not where I thought he was going to. <laughs> But uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. This was episode three of High Floor Football, and we'll be back next week for episode four.